This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, we are going to be discussing Parshas Devorim. Finally, uh, we've back into synchron- synchronization with the Chutz uh, Oretz Hevra. Uh, both Eretz, the entire world now is going to be uh, uh, reading Parshas Devorim this week. And it's also the last uh, Parsha we have before Tisha B'Av which is, of course, uh, Nitra, the ninth, is really coming on Shabbos, and uh, it will be observed on the 10th on Sunday. And um, we'll try to uh, to bring that into a, the discussion a little bit also. Uh, the fact is, uh, in some ways, it's timed like this, that Torah should be <coughs> on the week preceding Tisha B'Av, we have the word Eicha used, um, in the Parsha, which is, of course, the, the name of the, the Megillah that's read on, on Tishbov. So, um, basically, this follows a lot of the pattern of, um, of uh, Dvurim, the whole Sefer Dvurim, which is basically a uh, uh, recounting things that happened during the course of the entire uh, Time in the in the desert in the midbar, it's kind of a uh, what do they call it? A um, re- recap of that whole period, that whole forty years, and um, of course, adding you know a number of important, uh, a lot of important information and some dinim that weren't discussed earlier. But of course, it it does basically follow that that idea of being uh, that. Uh, Retrospect, and um, one of the things that is emphasized in this parsha, and also we try to concentrate on on the Tariyag mitzvahs, one of the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs, and here there aren't too many of them, um, but the ones that there are there are uh, related to the concept of mishpat of, of judgment and judges, the appointing of judges. So I just want to talk about that a little bit because the the corruption of justice is one of the main things that led to the uh, destruction of the Mikdash, both Batamikdushim, Mikdushim. The government became more and more corrupt, and the uh, the judges were were influenced by that, and you know they went just like opposite of what this parsha is trying to encourage uh, Eden to do. So it's uh, no wonder that eventually it got to the point where this was just. Uh, the only alternative really was the destruction in order to go into Gullis and repair things and come back again, which, of course, they came back you know, relatively quickly after the first exile, only 70 years, but uh, we're still sitting in the second exile, uh, or rather the you know, exile from the second temple for over 2,000 years now. So whatever. Let's hope that that ends soon. Anyway, now, whatever. Okay, so um, 
the idea of tzedakah and mishpat is repeated over and over again in the davening, whether it's in the davening, whether it's in the learning, or the Torah itself. It's a very, very often repeated phrase. And what it means is basically, uh, I mean, literally it means justice and and judgment. That the, that the the judgment which is carried out, first of all, there has to be a, an idea of law and order. There has to be some kind of, of system of courts. And uh, this is one of the first things right after, uh, you know, by, by, by our Sinai that, that Yisro came and, um, and uh, encouraged Moshe Bani to set up a court system which didn't depend exclusively on, exclusively on him. Um, but the idea was to make it a practical system which could be carried out, you know, for all the generations. And the court system was always like the backbone of the of of, of, of the people. I mean, it's it's uh, it really goes back also to the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach that every um, every country, whether it's uh, Jewish or non-Jewish, is, is required to have some kind of a court system because without that, you know, we are not nihilists, we are not uh, anarchists, we are not. Um, you know, we believe that courts are necessary and. The judgment that goes on is something that not only goes on in this world, but goes on in the next world as well. I mean, the the uh, it's 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 carried out on a global scale uh, every year on Rosh Hashanah, and there's a whole uh, system uh, involved in 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 that uh, holiday with a whole month preceding it, preparing for it, and uh, the ten days of repentance in the middle before between. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and and, and uh, the whole you know working up to it and and uh, that that whole whole uh, that 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 whole Meshach Zman as we say that whole time period is is uh, uh, taken over with that with that concept. There's another thing that you know is interesting that I've noticed you know a long time ago and it was actually cons- uh, confirmed by some uh, non-Jewish sources that study this kind of thing is this you know you may have been, heard me mention a few times the idea of near death experiences um, which I consider to be very uh, uh, something that is always we've always had such things but you know lately it's uh, in the last few years it's become a major uh, uh, subject of investigation even on, in, uh, from a scientific standpoint and uh, one of the interesting things is that we see a distinction between Jews having near-death experiences and, and non-Jews, is that the Jews almost exclusively, as far as I know, are the only ones that have this experience of the heavenly court. There's a, over and over again, in fact, I just, just read the other day a, an account of such a thing where a child um, virtually drowned and uh, was... I don't know if he was declared dead or he was, you know, he was definitely not living for a period of, of time. And uh, when he came back, he, he described that he had gone through uh, this this system of the heavenly court and seeing rabbis and things. And he was he was totally secular, totally even anti-religious. And um, he heard them, you know, giving him basically a choice that if he wants to turn around, you know, mend his ways and and uh, decide to be an observant Jew, that he would be allowed to come back. Uh, and uh, live out his life, but if not, you know that was it. So he agreed, 
and he came back and he actually changed his life and became an observant Jew. I mean, after, after experiencing such a thing, you know, not only in terms of it being a threat, but in terms of, of, of in terms of seeing, you know, the emphasis of what's really going on. I mean, obviously, if there were, if if it wasn't that this was the, the true way of life, then there wouldn't be such a thing as having that kind of experience to begin with. So he, uh, in fact, not only did he become religious, but his uh, all of his, his family became religious, his, his siblings. Now this whole thing is getting married, and he needs money for the chassid. But what, at, any, at any rate, the point is that that um, this concept of a heavenly court comes up over and over again, and even among totally non-religious Jews, who you would never expect, you know, that if it was just, you know, a, a figment of their imagination, they would never come up with such a thing. And especially since it was so powerful for them that it actually made them change their lives. So, uh, you know, from one extreme to another. So it's it's obvious that, uh, that this is the only thing that could have caused such a, uh, you know, a radical transformation. In any case, um, the whole system is built on law. And even though we are constantly emphasizing the importance of compassion and mercy and, and, and uh, uh, Rahmanis, you know, this is that that's really, you know, the thing where Hashem shines in terms of his, his willingness to forgive and to give people a second chance and, and all the different, you know, ways that, that we experience Hashem's uh, love and mercy. At the same time, it only can exist in the context of the judgment, because if you don't have laws and you don't have an enforcement of those laws, and it's not taken seriously, then the whole society falls apart. It just doesn't. It can't. And, and the whole, the whole uh, religion itself doesn't bear any weight. So you can't. Uh, you can't get along without it. And it's a. It's a necessary aspect of, of creation. And uh, it's a necessary uh, uh, component of life and of any kind of uh, attempt to uh, pursue a godly uh, system of society. At any rate, um, this particular parsha uh, focuses in on the aspect of choosing the judges themselves. It's like Yisroi came up with certain criteria of what type of person to choose for a um, for a, a judge, and in in practice, Moshe Rabbeinu only found uh, three of those aspects that were uh, that he was able to find. Um, they were the the Chachamim and the Yiduim the Shivtechem. Was the Chachamim is the wise. Is um, that they were known to their uh, to their tribe, so they were you know, like well well known people, reputable people. And the third one escapes me right now. I believe it was that they they were um, they were wealthy and they didn't need to the sunny butts so that they didn't need money. As far as I know, those are the three. But in any case, the point is that they. Um, uh, these, that, that he wasn't even able to find all the qualities he was looking for, but at least he found these three. And the point is that that um, it's extremely important to 
find reputable people that are above corruption, at least to the best of our knowledge. They're, they're, they, we, we, is, uh, I mean, even whether you're for Donald Trump or you're against him, the point is that at least he, because he didn't depend on these people for money, he, he was already wealthy and wasn't looking for, for more money, he was, which is, a, you know, unfortunately, is a considerable suspicion on Biden. But uh, the fact is that he... Um, he was above that kind of influence, so he was more free to do what he wanted to, to do what he felt was right, uh, as opposed to being um, uh, bought off by you know the powers that be. Uh, and that is a necessary aspect of a judge. He has to be you know above that kind of corruption. Because once he becomes bought out, then the, the powers that be are actually controlling the justice system as opposed to uh, a system of, of determining what's right and wrong and what's true and what's not. Um, so the idea of, um, of that, the, the, that, that in order for the Shekhinah, we talk about the Hashruas HaShekhinah, that the, the, the goal is that the Shekhinah, the, the heavenly presence, should be able to dwell among us. And that's the ultimate goal of Mashiach coming, that we go to the Besamekdash, so that's, that's the manifestation, that's, that's the dwelling place for Hashem's, Hashem's presence. And that can only happen in an environment of emes, of truth and, and justice, where there's, there's, it's not rampant with corruption. And the fact is that when things got so corrupt, then the Shekhinah left. It, it simply departed from the Besamekdash. The Besamekdash didn't have that Kedusha there anymore, and it, it was destroyed because the, what was keeping it going was, was the Kedusha of the Shekhinah. Once the Shekhinah had all you given up and just, just you know, left, so then there was, no, uh, there was nothing there to keep, it, to, to, to keep it around. So in that sense, it, it has a direct relationship to Tishavav and the destruction of Besamekdash. Um, and... Uh, the, and, this, and this, you know, it, it continued for quite a few years, even in a very uh, a situation of rampant corruption, and it, it kept going, kept going, kept going, until it was just too much already, and then it just just departed. Now, it did go in together with the, into Gullus, it went into exile together with the Jews, so the Jews were not, you know, uh, totally abandoned or forsaken, but on the other hand, we were not able to continue in our own homeland because of that, that corruption that was going on. Um, and what would we see? Uh, the, uh, the Kamarna talks about this at length. That that when there is justice, the 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 the, uh, the laws of how court cases are supposed to be carried out is the ultimate in in equality and not showing favoritism and and uh, the, the the judges themselves are supposed to be you know uh, humble people you know uh, it's, it's supposed to be people that are, are even though they they may occupy you know a very high uh, position in society uh, so in terms of, of, of wealth so that again they're they're beyond corruption and also in terms of uh, their their respect in the community, but at the same time they are prepared to lower themselves to even the most the simplest uh, poorest people and make sure that they're treated equally and not e- and not only just that they that they're that they're given you know that they're they're given an equal chance they're actually you know shown respect on an equal level with the rich and powerful 
so that they're not, they don't, because it's considered to be if we show any favoritism whatsoever to one party over the other, that that weaker party is, or the party that feels that is being neglected or ignored, is going to, it's going to affect their ability to present their case because they're going to be so intimidated by the, uh, and, and feeling that, you know, that the, that the judge is already uh, skewed in favor of the more powerful one that they uh, have pretty much given up in their own heads and they don't even feel like they can, they can uh, present their case. So this is, in, which obviously, you know, that gets in, in, in the, uh, the way of a, of a fair trial, a fair, you know, a fair judgment of the whole thing. So the, the attitude of the, of the shoftim has to be one which supports and, and respects the uh, the weaker elements of society. Um, okay, so so this is the, uh, the 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 idea that the way society chooses its judges to the point where the people that choose the judge are responsible for the the actions of that judge. In other words, if if the people have uh, chosen the judge because of corrupt motivations, like you know that they're going to be shown favoritism by the judge. That if it's a you know a, a, a relative, a family member, or somebody that they have a or a business connection with, or whatever kind of uh, you know uh, called nogea bedover, people that have all kinds of uh, uh, conflicting interests that would cause them to favor those that put them in the position. Um, like an elected official, official. I mean, you can't you can't trust an elected official in the kind of a judgment situation because they are always going to if they're if they're looking for the votes or, the, or they're they're always trying to to impress the public, you know, by doing the popular thing. Then they're they basically can't be trusted. I mean, this is unfortunately fact in democracy as a whole. This is the, one of the major. Um, Flaws in democracy is that because the the uh, elected officials are dependent on on the powerful people with money and influence and, and interest groups and all these kinds of things that they're out to impress. They're obviously being influenced by them. Just a judge is not allowed to take bribes. So this is in a sense a kind of bribe uh, to to the politician to that they should be sway them to their to to their interests. You know what they want to have. Uh, the kinds of laws that they want to have passed. So when you're passing laws, okay, so there, there you're, you're dealing with you know popular vote. But when you're talking about about judgments, about you know how we uh, appoint judges to 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 follow the law, regardless of you know who's more powerful or who's more influential, and obviously they have to be beyond that. And it's a uh, it's, it's it, the people who put them in that position are considered responsible for their behavior in the position because uh, it, it, it might be that they have put them there for the wrong reasons. Uh, and they have to take responsibility for that. Okay, so uh, this is the pshat. This is the, the plain meaning of the, of, of the psikhan that we're talking about. But... Um, when we go to a more panemius level, a more uh, internal level of what's going on here, um, the concept of judging is, I mean, aside from the diet of judging others, which we also have to try to avoid, obviously, I've been told many times, you know, that only when you're, you shouldn't judge others at all, basically, but if you have to, if you do end up judging people, it should only be to the positive, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt and down the cuffs list. So uh, that's an important factor in terms of, you know, how people judge each other. But in terms of how we judge our own actions, 
Because obviously every time we make a decision about should we do this or should we do that, you know, what is the proper thing to do? What is the emiss? What's the true way to, to behave what, 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 you know, in terms of our own behavior? We're making a judgment. It's, it's a, that's a judgment call. So some things we ask Shilas about, we ask our Rabbanim, and some things we don't ask uh, the authorities about, and we have to make the decisions ourselves, whether it's because uh, they're not accessible or because they're personal decisions that we feel we want to take responsibility for ourselves, whatever, or in terms of our own attitudes and our own uh, behavior as, 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 you know, their klal, I mean, the people that... that uh, uh, make up their own value systems. I mean, it's it's all kinds of it's all kinds of personal decisions that have to be made. So people are basically making a judgment call. You know, what's right and what's wrong. So the, what we have to recognize when we, you know, s- scrutinize our own internal decision making process is the question of how we are, are those decisions truly uh, objective or or uh, you know impartial. Or are they being biased by various? Are they being biased by various um, factors, which uh, we may not be really honest with ourselves about? And in that case, it's really no difference than having a judge that is being swayed is not truly objective and is being swayed by some kind of uh, uh, ulterior motives to uh, to make. To make judgments about things, you know, based on their own self-interest and not in terms of what's really true. So that's, of course, you know, this is a uh, this is a a, uh, a challenge that all of us face in the course of our lives. Uh, but it's something that this this parsha really brings to the fore because it's it's talking specifically about this problem. How do we make our own judgments? Are we are we truly looking at for the truth, or we're looking, you know, for our own self-interest? And the, the 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 problem here is that because we have this thing called the Yitzhahara, this, this inclination to uh, be self-serving, it is very easy for us to fall into the trap of rationalization. And what rationalization is, is the self-justification process that we use our minds to build up a whole, um, a whole uh, reason, a whole uh, reasoning, a whole, a whole uh, uh, way of justifying. It's a self-justification system that allows us to back up what we want to do for our own you know, personal motivation, uh, with all kinds of reasons why this is really the truth and this is really the, the proper way we're, you know, we should we, we, we should be acting. In other words, we want to feel like we're not giving in to ourselves and we are uh, doing the right thing. So we make up all these rationalizations why what we're doing is really the truth when we, if we look deep down, we really know that, you know, if we were looking at it, really objectively or really, you know, removing ourselves from the equation, we would see that it's really not the, uh, the, the truth. And one way of, of uh, discerning that is that if we were to see somebody else acting that way, if we would agree that that is the truthful way of doing it, or would we immediately come down to them and say, well, you're doing that for yourself, you're not, you know, you're not, this isn't, this isn't the right way, the way to act. But when we find ourselves doing it, it's Udam Kuro Vesalatsmoy, a person is, is always justifying himself uh, for his own actions because he doesn't want to feel bad about himself or whatever. So, and he wants to continue doing what he wants to do.
And this is true in in all kinds of intellectual areas. I mean, obviously, you know, the with even today, where as, as science uh, learns more and more things, the, the the theory of evolution is being questioned more and more, according to the you know the evidence that's been found and, and various uh, all kinds of different calculations that are being made. Uh, it's become a weaker and weaker theory as opposed to stronger and stronger over time. And the fact that people it was it was, it was claimed from the beginning that the, the popularity of this theory, even despite the, the, the very little evidence to back it up, is, is solely based on the fact that it gives support to those that want to deny that there is a creator. There was, science itself, is, 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 in, in the last maybe 100 years or so, since Darwin certainly, but maybe before that, um, wanted to remove the idea of a creator from the whole system. Because once you admit that there's a creator, then you're saying there's a god, and then that, that all, all of a sudden, you know, then you're, 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 you're uh, open to the, uh, to the concept of that creator having certain uh, laws and responsibilities that we have to take on uh, in you know to serve that creator and, uh, and to serve his his uh, desire and his his his, his uh, reasons for creating the world to begin with, so uh, it brings on that obligation and people don't want to have that obligation. They want to feel like they can do what they want without having to worry about what their creator thinks about it. So this is uh, you know basically an anti-religious perspective, which uh, the, the theory of, of, of evolution works very well into because if you don't accept the theory of evolution, and, and it's not that that's the only thing that God created, but obviously that that's a, a, something that is actually shows off the the, the uniqueness and the the, uh, the intricacy and the complexity of the creation more than anything else is um, is is very hard to explain, you know, without that. And once you, again, once you admit that there's a creator, then, you, you know, you're subject to that judgment. There's a higher judge that's judging our actions so that we have to, to, to be concerned with. So it's, it's the same idea that we accept certain concepts of the world as a whole, accepts certain concepts on the basis of what they want to believe in order to give themselves the moral justification to be able to do what they want to do. And, uh, okay, so that's only one, one of many, many examples of that kind of thinking. And uh, you could say in, pol- in political thought, it's also rampant that people, you know, uh, subscribe to the kind of political theory that's going to allow them to advance uh, as, as high as they can advance and to, to give them priorities over somebody else. So all over the place, this is true. And the only way that we can, you know, distance ourselves from that kind of thinking is to to uh, look at what the Torah wants from us, to, to, to take it out of our own hands and to look into what the Torah is expecting of us. And then we have a higher standard that we have to, uh, that we have to uh, subscribe to and not just, uh, not just our own. This, also, I was thinking about this idea of the Yiduim, the um, uh, Yiduim, the Shiftechem, is the concept of um, something that's known the, 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 ch- the judges have to be known to their to their uh, tribe. So, what does it mean that you have to know where the eights is coming from? Where is this um, voice that is coming to us, to, to telling us to do a certain thing? 
who is is responsible for that? So, if uh, you always use the 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 muscle, the, the uh, parable, you know, analogy to a person that um, comes with this great deal, like you know, I, I can make you a lot of money, I can sell you this particular thing, you know, sell the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, sell sell a person something that sounds like a great deal, and he can he can uh, make tremendous profit on the transaction. So obviously, when you when you hear a proposal like that, the first thing you do is you check out the person with, that that's that's bringing this proposal. And was who is this person? Is this person reliable or not? And you check them out and you see what is the general uh, you know impression of this of this person in in the community. And if you find out that this guy is a well known con man, so you <laughs> the first thing you do, even with, before you even check out the deal itself, you you know assume that this thing is probably not on the level, and you want to you know distance yourself from this as much as possible. So the same thing with you know your yetsatoyv and yetsahora, when when you can identify a particular uh, course of action as as being a, uh, something that the yetsahora would be behind, something the yetsahora is is encouraging you to do. So already you meet it from the beginning. You look at it with suspicion, and you see you know see where is this coming from? Is this coming from my yetsatoy? Is this from my desire to do good and to serve Hashem and, and to be to to you know to be the best person I can possibly be? Or is this coming from some kind of a self uh, interest which is uh, which is a corrupting interest and is obviously coming from the other side as opposed to the the uh, true uh, honest side. So that's that's you know our first uh, first you know um, that that's this concept of rationalization that we start telling ourselves that we should be um, that uh, this is the, the direction we should follow. The uh, other aspect of this is this this uh, the, the part of the pasuk that says ish that you shouldn't be afraid of anybody. This is the idea that you should not be intimidated by the baldin, by, by the person that's bringing this this, uh, this court case that, you know, what are they going to do to you if you don't, um, if you don't, you know, give them the, the, the apostle in favor of them, that, you know, that they, should, they that they're the ones who should win the case. So the, 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 continue, the, the apostle continues, kia mishpat lokimi, that the, the, the mishpat, the judgment, is for Hashem. Hashem is the one who is behind the mishpat. So you can count on the strength of Hashem to back you up if you, if you, you know, uh, persevere and do the right thing. But if you give in to those, uh, if, you, if you're afraid, uh, because you're intimidated by the power of those people that you're going against in order to do the right thing, then you are basically showing that you don't believe Hashem has the power to be able to back you up and, and that you should prevail, uh, you know, by doing the honest thing as opposed to giving in to those, to those uh, influences. So that's a very, um, a, 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 the same thing in terms of, again, internally and personally, a person has to have the strength to be able to, you know, uh, to, to resist the, uh, the temptations of the Yitzhahara. And even if the Yitzhahara is like, you know, threatening you that, well, if you don't do this, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. Or if you don't do this, you know, you're, you're not going to be accepted. Or you don't do this. All kinds of reasons that people have that they should not follow the, the true course you know, of action uh, because they have all kinds of fears and anxieties and, and uh, it's, it's, it comes out of a lack of bitokhan because they don't really believe Hashem is powerful enough to protect them and to, to back them up and give them the support to, to do the right thing. So all of these things are, are very, very central issues that we have to confront 
uh, especially now during the time of the uh, of the of the nine days and for Tisha B'av to realize that that this is not uh, just an abstract topic of discussion. This is something that we have to deal with every day and that has very serious consequences because this is actually the reason why the Bessemic just was destroyed and, and we're in the situation we are today. So let's all take this seriously and uh, apply it to our own lives and uh, hopefully Mashiach should come uh, now. If you would like to contribute to the organization that produces these podcasts and see what else we're doing, access some of our other uh, materials, you can find that at nakuda.org. That's N-E-K-U-D-A-H. That is nakuda.org. And um, you can also have the option to email us and contribute to dedicate the podcast in memory or in honor of any occasion or in memory of some loved one or whatever. Uh, and we'd be very happy to get that support. Thank you so much.